A number of years ago, I was uh, driving, it was around Father's Day, I was out driving, and on the radio they came on with this show, you know, it was a call-in show, call in and tell us your dad's crazy advice, any advice your dad might have given you, not necessarily crazy, but just dad's advice. And, uh, you know, you had the typical ones, don't spend your money all in one place, um, you know, but... Uh, um, you know, don't uh, you know? You know, don't ask somebody to do something that you wouldn't do. Save your money for a rainy day. You know, some people might say the opposite: live for tom- don't you know? Live for the day. Don't wait for tomorrow. Uh, there was all sorts of advice. There were crazy advice. But as I was listening, I'm like, my dad. What do I have? Like, what does my dad give me? Like, you know, I couldn't really think. My dad's not the kind of guy to give one line of advice that you would just kind of stick with you. Um, but I, the only thing that came to mind was him like snow, shoveling snow. And uh, he was like, you know, you got to clear the whole sidewalk, clear the whole sidewalk, clear the driveway. Get, you got to gain back the whole sidewalk, he would say. And um, that was the thing I remembered of my dad. My dad's a great dad, by the way. Okay, don't take the run. But that was the thing that stuck with me. Uh, the more I thought about that, though, at the time, the more I realized that was a bigger, there was something more to what he was saying there than just shoveling snow. He was talking about doing a good job, being dedicated, you know, not cutting corners. I don't know that he was thinking that while we were outside in sub-zero temperatures, but, um, you know, really it's all about integrity. And uh, the thing was with that, what made that very stick was that my dad led that way. He did what he asked us to do. He gave us that example. And he does that in his life as well. He's a hard-working guy. He lives with integrity. He doesn't cut corners. He's always, he's a Boy Scout. He learned that discipline early on, and he continues to this day. But the two things that I think were important with that story are just that we, if we want our words to stick with our kids, we have to live, we have to live by them. If we want the, our words to carry any weight, we actually have to do it ourselves. And also the second part is that the best advice we can give comes from Scripture or is biblically based. And uh, integrity was certainly one of those things. So today as we turn to Scripture, I kind of do want to give some advice to our grads. That's what this sermon started out as. But I also think it might be uh, something that will bless our dads, and hopefully the rest of you as well. So I want to start today with talking about courage. And uh, there's a quote from C.S. Lewis that reads like this, Courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at the testing point. i read that again. Courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at the testing point. Just to explain that a little bit, maybe by examples. When you're asked to love a difficult person who might hurt you, that takes courage. Um, when you're speaking the truth to somebody who's hostile towards it, that takes courage. Uh, when you're trying to be a loyal friend, which costs you your reputation, your status, that takes courage. Because I think as we think of courage on those terms, all of us would agree that courage is essential to the Christian life. So today we're going to go back to Joshua 1, as Shinoah read. And uh, the context for that is that the Israelites are about to enter the promised land. They are embarking on something new. And this was definitely a time when courage would be needed. Uh, what you might, a few more details about the story. Moses had died. Okay, um, The people were probably in mourning and were discouraged. Their great leader was gone. Joshua was the new leader. He had been ordained. Um, but you can only imagine how terrified he must have been, right? trying to fill the shoes of Moses. That was the only leader they had known after they left Egypt. We have the Jordan River standing in the way. That's a big obstacle. right? How are you going to get all those people across that river and get settled in a new land? 
And they also don't know what they're up against. Remember, 40 years earlier, the spies had gone in, Joshua had gone in, but only Joshua and Caleb came back saying, we should go for it, let's take it. Ten others had said no. So if you're Joshua, maybe you're second-guessing yourself. It's been 40 years, you know, like maybe I was wrong, maybe I didn't, I don't remember, right? So I think there's a lot going on with Joshua and a lot going on with the people, the Israelites. All at the same time for Joshua, he's taking care of day-to-day. So as they take them across the river, as they try to get them settled, there's always the day-to-day issues that a big group like that would have. So I'm assuming Joshua would have been feeling overwhelmed and unequipped, and probably all of us have felt like that at some point. Um, So today I want to challenge you and encourage you, as we look at this, um, that that God is there to give us courage. As we look at these verses, I hope that you will be encouraged that you... And that you have good reason to have courage. There's one pastor who says this, don't wimp out on God. And as we look at this passage, I think that's what it's telling us as well. So my first point is this, courage comes from knowing that God is with you. Let's take a look. I'm going to bounce around with the scriptures if you want to open up uh, Joshua 1, verses 6 to 9. There's four verses there, but I'm just going to read verse 6 and then verse 9. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. And have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Whenever we see this phrase, uh, be, be strong and courageous, actually we see the phrase three times in these four verses. But it's, it is, this phrase comes up a number of times in the Old Testament. And whenever you see it, it's actually being said in a place where the person had all sorts of reasons to be afraid and not be courageous. And that's the same here. Um, for Joshua, he's in a time when he feels he has good reason to be afraid. And, uh, he, needed, he needed to hear these words, and he needed that challenge. But it begs the question, as you hear that command, be strong and courageous. How can anybody be strong and courageous on their own? And I think the answer lies in verse 9. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. These things can only be done, we can only have courage and strength, when we recognize that God is present in our lives, that he's with us in what we're doing. We can't do this on our own, in our own strength. Consider these other seemingly impossible commands. Okay? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be holy as I am holy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Go now and sin no more. There's plenty of commands in the Bible. These ones, man, we can't do it on our own strength, right? These are high callings that we cannot do on our own. The great thing is that when God gives us a command like that, he gives us provision in order to, to, to be obedient. He gives us provision and able to do what he's asking us to do. So the courage that Joshua needed was grounded in the promise of God, that he will be with him and he would be present with him in what he was doing. He was asking him to go into the promised land. So all Joshua had to do was to have faith and trust in God. So faith is the key to being strong and courageous. Often when I think of courage, you know, people who are fearless, I think about daredevils and thrill-seekers, uh, skydivers, parkour people, you know, those, they jump around high buildings with, like, ballet shoes on, and um, bungee jumpers, all those kinds of things. And those, uh, those guys, they have great, you know, magnificent viral videos that are wonderful to watch. But when they fail, they fail big time, right? 
I'm sure we've all heard stories of failed skydivers. Like these people, they have to do a little bit of risk assessment before they go up and do these activities. You know, is my equipment good? Am I able to do this? Um, you know, is the weather going to hold up for me? Am I going to be able to do this? Is there going to be too much wind? Right? So they do a little kind of tally, do a risk assessment, and that's what they place their confidence in. But as we look at the biblical heroes, people who had courage in Scripture, they had a different reason to be confident. David and Goliath... His confidence came from what? He says, you know, he says to Goliath, You came here with sword and spear. I came here in the name of the Lord. Gideon, his army whittled down to 300 men. Esther going into the presence of the king. King Daniel, or sorry, Daniel standing firm for, uh, for his God and then being thrown into a lion's den. Peter walking on water. The apostles, their persecution, they're, you know, facing death. And Moses before Pharaoh. In all of the example, these examples, they knew that God was with them. That's where their courage came from. That's where their confidence came from. So Joshua had been able to witness Moses all those years. He had been Moses' aide. And we see in verse 5 of this chapter, God says to him, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. So he had seen God work in Moses' life, and he knew that God was going to work in his life in the same way. He would have the same relationship with him. And for us as New Testament believers, we see these kind of words and these promises echoed in Jesus. John 14, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. We can anchor ourselves in that. He says, I will do whatever you ask in my name. We can hold on to that. I do not leave you as orphans, he tells us. Right? All of this requires that we have faith. We can't have the courage on our own, but when we have faith that he is there, then we can, our, the courage swells up within us. So Joshua could have courage only in as much as he trusted God, and we can have courage only in as much as we have faith in God as well. But how do we live in that truth daily? So that comes to my second point. Courage comes from knowing the word of God and obeying it, I should add. We'll look at verses 7 and 8. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. As you read those, those are the words of God. He's speaking that. He's emphasizing the importance of his word and that our faith must be grounded in his word. There's three things that this passage tells us about the importance of the word of God. Three things that we can do. Observe to do according to all of the law. It just says obey it. Right? It's laid out clearly there for us. Just obey it. Do what it says. And it says do all of it, not just part of it. Second thing, abstain from turning to the right or left. This is just telling us not to drift off course, not to change it either, right? Stay on the path, stay on the narrow, do what it says. And the third thing is keep it in your mouth and meditate on it day and night. Always be mindful of God's word and apply it to your life. Let it speak to you, let it guide you. Keep it in your mouth. The law in the word is essential to having faith. 
It's essential to living with courage and strength. Right? And this is something that you can do. Right? But it takes discipline. So put the word you were in, the, in your heart and in your mind daily. Here's what happens when we read God's word. I feel like I've said this a hundred times here, but let's do this again. <laughs> we're reminded of the character of God. Unchanging, compassionate, all-knowing, he's holy. And when we read God's word, it reminds us of his redemptive plan, his grace, his forgiveness, the cross. It reminds us of other men and women who have gone before us, real people with real lives who have been touched by God. It reminds us of his teachings and his truths, of his uh, commandments. The living word also convicts me of my sin. It helps me to prioritize my life. And it's a gift that keeps on giving. It is a living word. You can read it over and over and over, and it continues to give, to give to you and to lead you. As we think about the connection between you know, the word and faith and courage, I'm reminded of Romans 10, 17. You know, faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the word of God. One commentator says this, The ear receives the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, faith begins in the hearer. Those who hear this message and receive it come to understand the meaning of faith. They know that faith is a gift from God, and that salvation is God's grace poured into the hearts of the hearer through the power of the Holy Spirit. What that's telling us is that we're changed as we spend time in God's word, when we allow it to soak in. And once again, Jesus echoes these words, John 14. As he encourages his disciples on the night he's arrested, he says in verse 21, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Later on in verse 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Jesus is telling them as well, cling to my words. Don't forget them. And I'm going to be with you. The Holy Spirit is in that presence. The Spirit will be with you to lead you and to guide you. But obedience is key. And it's important to remember that these are not just Bible stories. Especially for grads. I know as you go through Sunday school, sometimes you pick up you know, the stories, you pick up the details, the facts. Um, it can become head knowledge. I know that was my, the case for me when I was growing up in church. But there's so much more to it. As we live by it, internalize it, as we make it our anchor, as you start to completely trust in it, then the truth of Scripture will impact your life. It'll change you, and it'll shape you. When I was a 20-year-old, uh, you know, feeling, I think I was going through a depression, feeling lonely and down, I went to Scripture. I had grown up in the church, and... Uh, you know, new scripture all the time, but I really didn't read it for myself that much. And it was during that time I really became, became kind of aware that God loved me. And as I began to do that, to think about it, I was like, it just changed the way I looked at scripture, the whole thing. And the scripture, instead of just being something over here, church that was something over here, became central to my life. The scripture became the thing that I looked at the world through now, right? Instead of being a compartment, it was actually the lens through which I saw everything else. And as I began to live in that truth, you know, God helped me with my ups and downs. You know, as I said, I was going through a funk. I felt really lonely at the time. Those things didn't seem to bother me as much. I knew I had God with me in my life. Right? And I became a more courageous Christian. 
quite frankly, I wasn't ashamed anymore. I had been ashamed as a teenager. I was like, oh, I go to church, you know, that kind of thing. I wasn't ashamed anymore. I was proud of my faith. And I was, because I knew it was true. Right? So we got, well, God's word to transform us. And that's what he's asking us for here. So the first two things we know is that courage comes from knowing God. That God is, sorry, that God is present. And courage comes from spending time in his word. And allowing the word to transform us. Third point is that courage comes when you understand your mission. Read verses 6 in a bit of 8 here. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you will, shall divide an, as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. So what was the mission for Joshua? It's laid out pretty clearly there. He was supposed to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And to finish the mission that Moses had started. Moses started it 40 years earlier. He was the next in line. He took the baton from Moses, right? In a promise that had been given to Abram many generations before. I think what's good about this full point is that God's purpose is bigger than any one person. I think that's important for us to remember. But Joshua's specific role and mission here was to lead the, the Israelites in the final step into the kingdom, into Canaan, to establish Israel there. But it's more than just establishing a nation-state or borders or land. This is about the relationship that they had with God. Second Samuel says this, And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself, by driving out nations and their gods from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt, you have established your people Israel as your very own forever, and you, Yahweh, have become their God. And the Israelites were God's chosen people. So the mission here is about establishing the nation under God. The chosen people who would live under in a covenant with God, you know, giving him glory, uh, being examples of the, world, the rest of the world around them and fulfilling the promise that had been given to Abraham many generations before. So as you read that, you know, it's one sentence. It may seem like a really quick thing. But as we discussed earlier, this was a difficult task. And anybody who's read the Old Testament knows that it was. Um, you know, the Jordan River itself was at flood stage when they went to cross it. We had massive amounts of people. The estimates are so varied, I don't, can't even say. Some people say 30,000, some say over 2 million. So... It's really hard to know exactly how many people, but we know there was a lot of people that needed to get across. We also know that they would have to fight many battles. They'd have Jericho to fight, right? And the walls of Jericho, we know that story. The walls came down. And this would be tough for anybody on their own, right? But God was with them. One of the thing, cool things I think about that is that God drove the people groups out one by one so that no one space would become desolate, you know, that there would be a place for the Israelites to move in. It just really shows you how God's hand was with them and makes that really tangible, what we're saying here today. God was with them because step by step, and he, took, and he was doing it, they had to trust in him the whole way. And that's what made this manageable for Joshua. He had a clear mission, trust God day by day, follow his word, and be faithful to it. So what's our mission? Just like uh, in the previous two points, I'm going to go back to Jesus. Matthew 28, we all know this as the Great Commission. 19, I'll read. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. You have a clear mission here. (laughs) So no matter what you do in life, graduates, no matter where you go, no matter what job you have, we hope you guys get really, really well-paying jobs and support our church for generations to come. But, um, you know, we know that our ultimate priority is to follow Christ, to follow the Great Commission. And to remember that God's purposes are bigger than just one person. Like I said with Moses and Joshua, there was that baton passing. That's the same for us. Um, we're part of something much bigger than ourselves. In some ways, you might say you're a cog in the wheel, or like Pink Floyd, you're the brick, another brick in the wall. Um, but it's God's purpose that matters most. And I'm not trying to squash individualism by saying that, because um, I actually think this is an empowering thought to be part of something bigger than ourselves, to know that it doesn't rest all on you, right? God's giving you a great opportunity to be part of something so much bigger, right? There is a call on your life. Your steps are ordered, and you have a choice if you want to follow or not. God will use you and the gifts that you have, the unique gifts of you. He'll put you into unique situations with different people that only he has a plan for you to work in that situation, But there's this overarching plan as well, overarching mission that's going on and that everything comes back to. And I think as we follow that, why I think this is an empowering statement is that it brings a greater sense of meaning and purpose to our lives. We're not just chasing after things for our own sake. We're chasing after it for, for God's glory, for his mission. And here's another thing about it that I think is great. It's never too late to start. So... If you're a dad out there or just anybody out there who maybe is disappointed with the way things are going in your life, maybe you haven't been as faithful in your walk as you hoped and you thought you should be, it's never too late to be part of this. God is waiting for you. He has a plan, and he will use you as soon as you allow him to. He will make your life valuable and meaningful. So just know that. So as I said before, having a clear mission and to know that God is with you, all of that will help you to have courage. But if you follow God's call, you know that you're going to face trials. Jesus tells us in John 15, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Jesus isn't encouraging us to go looking for conflict here. He's just plainly stating a fact that you will have opposition if you want to follow God. I think it's important to know this is a spiritual battle. Um, As we go about it, know know what your enemies are. It might be a person that's yelling at you, but there's something else behind it. And I think as we do that, we recognize those forces and principalities at work. Uh, It helps us because we'll choose the right weapons. We're going to choose spiritual weapons over, uh, you know, whatever else we might use to to fight back. And also, it's all part of God's plan. He'll be with you and he'll guide you and and he'll use those moments to change you and to change that person. But in spite of the trials, you can trust that God will be with you. Oops, sorry. One last thing here is that, uh, what does success look like? In that scripture that I read, it talked about success. What does success look like? The expositor's commentary defines it, 
uh, describes it like this. Wisdom, knowledge, insight, understanding, morality, holiness, obedience, harmony, righteousness, and grace. That's not how we normally look at, as, at success. That's not how we would normally define it. It's not about status, wealth, health, or even friends, as people define it in our world. Here's what you'll get if you follow Christ. Transcending peace. You have the privilege of being part of his family, being on mission for him. You'll have a deep sense of meaning and purpose in your life, knowing that God is glorified through your life as well. So as I conclude now, I just want to talk to you guys as Christ followers. As grads starting a new phase, phase in life, as dads or anybody else, courage is going to be essential to everything that you do as a Christian. I'll just read that C.S. Lewis quote again. Courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at the testing point. When Moses ordained Joshua in Deuteronomy 31, he uses exactly the same words, almost, that we see here in Joshua 1, that God speaks. Be strong and courageous. This one preacher, uh, Crawford Lofitz is his name, he says, what that basically is saying is, don't wimp out on God. <laughs> this is a statement. This is a call to action. right? And it's a call that we all need to answer. The same charge that God gave to Joshua, Jesus gave to his disciples, and he gives it to you and me. As a Christian, you've been called to something higher, a higher purpose. You have the wonderful task of disciple-making, of building God's kingdom. This is something much bigger than you. But I want to challenge you today to spend some time thinking and praying about exactly what that might look like in your life. The Great Commission, we know, is, is the broad mission of the church, but that's going to look different for each one of us. So is there a burning passion that God has laid on your heart? What gets you excited about serving God? Has it changed over time? Are you doing that thing right now? Is God prodding you to do something new? Right? If you're not doing it, why aren't you doing it? I would, ask, I would challenge you to ask yourself those questions today, to think about that. Especially as we come out of COVID, things are going to be different. So what is God asking us to do in the world? We have a world that's much more in upheaval and much more uncertain. And I think God's word will be so essential, and we will have such an opportunity to speak into the lives of the people around us. I think we already do, but I think that will be even greater in the days to come. But the courage that we have, we know that we'll have it if we're obedient to God. We know we can have it because he's with us. This is not some courage that we can just drum up in ourselves. It's not baseless courage. This courage just becomes, comes because we know that God is here, that he's given us our, his word to encourage us, and because he's given us a clear mission. So know this, that nothing will happen in your life without courage, and that courage is essential to the Christian walk. So dads and grads and everybody else, final statement of the sermon is, don't wimp out on Jesus. All right, let's say a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, that we can be part of this great mission, the Great Commission, Lord, of discipleship making, of building your kingdom. God, I just pray that you would continue to lead and guide each one of us to know what that looks like in our own situations, Lord. Challenge us, Lord, and speak to us. 
But as we go, may we go knowing that you are with us and that we can, we can rely on your strength, Lord, and your power. Amen.